Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I have a really interesting guest. Her name is Courtney Myers. She is the co-CEO of Omni Interactions. They do things a little bit different at Omni, and it's really interesting to have this conversation with Courtney today. They are an outsourcing firm. Check out the website. They have a fantastic exec team. They know what they are doing. However, this outsourcing firm focuses primarily on gig work. And gig work is not what you think. It's not necessarily the uh, getting a logo made on Upwork. It is actually about uh, a lot of the same customer service solutions that you would find in contact centers, but it is in smaller chunks. So if companies have surge requirements, they need two hours filled, or they need um, surge work on the weekends, or they need uh, different hours filled, then Omni Interactions focuses on providing those solutions. And to do that, they access the gig workers where people actually opt for more flexible solutions for their employment. And so it's a win-win and it's a hole or a gap in the market that is being successfully filled by Omni Interactions. So it's fantastic to talk to Courtney about their journey in building this company and sharing her thoughts on gig work and uh, how to scale it and how to operationalize it and the future of work. And of course, we discuss AI and automation. So I found this really fantastic, great conversation with Courtney, and I hope you do too. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start, or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over three thousand outsourcing firms representing a global workforce of over five million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish inside outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today, visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. So, Courtney, you are the co-CEO of Omni Interactions. Tell me, who is your ideal client when it comes to uh, gig work outsourcing? 
Yeah, great question. So for us, an ideal client is really someone that needs a lot of flexibility, whether that's intraday, intraweek, month, year, you know, or really has a big seasonal spike. And so it gives us the opportunity to really flex those gig muscles, so to speak, where we can we can help with the intervals that are very challenging. Help, you know, we've got one client, for example, where we we staff 200 FTE from noon to 2 p.m. Um, another client wow. where we ramp tremendously for seasonal, we ramp up thousands of agents. And so, um, you know, we can really bring a lot of value where clients struggle uh, maybe in their overall ecosystem with certain certain flexibility. I mean, in any case. And a lot of gig work, rightly or wrongly, is associated with kind of the hustlers, uh, um, solopreneurs, a bit of the Tim Ferriss model. Is, is that accurate, would you say, or you you feel that there's better applications for gig work? Yeah, you know, we see people from many walks of life and we see people that have, have worked in a more traditional contact center environment and they're looking for more flexibility. We see people that, you know, have never worked in customer service, but have a, a long kind of storied career or background or education. And they're looking for a way to you know, continue to kind of add value to the world, right? Or do something on their own terms that um, for a product or a brand or something that they that they personally enjoy and it's, you know, a new opportunity for them. So, you know, for us, it's, I wouldn't say there's any one demographic as much as it's, you know, people that are exploring the idea of working more on their own terms um, as opposed to being a traditional employee. Right, right. And uh, so to give it context, then you are the co-CEO, I'll let you introduce it, I'm sure you can better than I, but of Omni Interactions. And we're all a part of the outsourcing industry. And often when I have client calls, I say, you know, think of outsourcing as employment. Uh, Employment in any normal country has a range of different solutions, whether it's full-time, part-time, consultants, gig workers, um, interns, you know, and um, it's a big umbrella, isn't it? Outsourcing and you, Omni Interactions, represents the the gig economy. Of course, Upwork is maybe sort of best well known in the gig economy, but but again, there's there's a lot of other opportunities, options in the in the space. So um, you're probably far better than I. How would you describe what Omni does and where it really fits into the market then? Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, what I would say is Omni fits into the overall outsourcing market by it, it's really a managed service. Um, so it's kind of the it, it's the middle ground between, you know, an Upwork where maybe you go find people one at a time, two at a time. Right. But it's there's no one managing that service for you on a on a large scale from an Upwork standpoint or Fiverr or any of those, you know, of course, and then outsourcing, as you said, is is all about Traditionally, it's been about employment largely, especially when you're talking about it on a big scale. And so I feel Omni really bridges the gap between those two. And so, you know, we offer a managed service for our clients to, um, you know, to leverage the gig economy in a way that they don't have to do it one by one. And so we can we can be that overall solution for them and ensure they're getting the quality, the consistency, and all of those things they expect from any other vendor. Right. And the inevitable then, like with gig, does it scale? Are you, you, you know, it it, it, um, it seems like a lot of small 
gigs or jobs. Uh, and is that sort of, in, sort of inherently difficult and frustrating to run and to optimize and, and sort of build processes around? Or is that kind of the nature of, of your game? What I'm saying is sort of in an ideal world, would everyone kind of work full-time, do you think, in a 40-hour sort of week? So, you know, one of the things that makes gig what it is in terms of adding value from a flexibility standpoint is that people don't work full time. And so, you know, we certainly encourage all of our gig workers to have other gigs out there, right? Maybe they drive Uber, maybe they um, work for DoorDash. And so what that allows us to do, we, we find people work on average, deliver 20 productive hours a week. And so... In, you know, in traditional call center language, that's, you know, post out of office shrink, post in office shrink, you know, that that's the productive time we expect to build from them um, each week. And so, but what that allows us to do is turn up that dial when it's needed, right? So let's say another vendor doesn't deliver as expected and they say, hey, can anyone else get some more people on the phones? We're not running at capacity where then we're fighting, you know, overtime and the additional costs and things like that, right? We've got people that are working on average 20 hours a week. So it's much easier for us to go out and say, who who can hop on for the next four hours, right? We're short. And maybe in that we run um, some incentive or something along those lines, depending on the urgency and the need. But um, but the, it's that, that capacity from a part-time model is what gives us the flexibility that allows us to deliver a lot of added value to our clients. Yeah, Sharon, as you as you highlight there, I, I, there's generally so much unspoken sort of wastage in full time regular employees. Yeah, as you say, you know, people sort of come onto the shift, they hang around a bit, they hang out by the water cooler, they go for longer lunches, and you know, you probably get twenty hours of productivity from them, which it's, is it's so, it's so sort true. of an unspoken reality, isn't it? It's it's kind of crazy. But do you notice? Is there a significant? Sorry, I'm talking over here, but is there a significant uplift in having 20 hour a week workers, do you say? Are they there to to work as opposed to the full timers that kind of cruise for half their half their shift? Definitely. And so I apologize, I was speaking over you because I'm I'm get so excited about this topic. Um, but it they do. I mean they're you know the the reality of a gig worker is that they they are their own small business, right? So you know they want to make the most out of the time that they're um, that they're logging hours. And so you just don't have that lag. I mean, of course we do everything remotely. So there, there is no water cooler. There is no kind of time after you've badged in and you're, you know, talking with your friends and all of those things. I mean, that time just kind of naturally goes away. Um, but to your point earlier, it, it is interesting. And a lot of times as we're, you know, in, you know, especially in a multi-vendor scenario when we're, we're walking through, you know, other vendors and their shrink, by the time you boil it down, it might be, you know, 22, 25 hours a week of productive time. And the reality is our model isn't materially different from an on-phone time. That's always something that surprises people. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in my, I have that spiel saying uh, outsourcing is, is a big umbrella term and it's like employment. And But the, the sort of the conclusion of that spiel is over sort of 2,000 years of evolution, it kind of humanity has sort of settled on full-time work being the best worst solution in that most people seem to have settled into that uh and and that is where 
sort of it optimizes efficiencies for both the employer and the employee. It's probably not perfect, but it's it's it seems that society is settled on that. However, you know, there's a lot of evidence to the contrary now and in the great resignation and people saying, look, I, I want to work from home. I want to call the the shots, you know, work the hours I want to work. There's asynchronous work now. People are talking about a four-day week. Um, and it really gets hard, doesn't it, to to manage productivity and to to really have accountability for what people are doing. Um, do you is is that sort of what? Do you have any opinions on that? I suppose to start off with, like where where the, where the sort of the trends in in workforce is going. So I I mean I would agree with your general statement that a lot of things have changed since the pandemic and. You know, people really started to see this world where they could they could piece together their own version of work life balance, whatever that looks like for that for them. And I think my I think that's going to continue. I think we're going to see more and more gig work and the gig economy continue to grow as people, you know, figure out how to piece that together and how to how to make their own schedule and their own income and make that work for themselves. So I do think it's going to become more challenging. Um, you know, that full-time model will become more challenging. You know, the, the other thing I would say in the contact center industry, and this is something, you know, I've, I've really worked in all, av- all areas of it from work at home, employee, brick and mortar, people struggle to be on the phones 40 hours a week. I mean, I, th- I think that's a reality of, mm-hmm it is a tough job and it, it does take a lot of energy to, you know, people generally aren't calling to say, Hey, how are you? I hope you're having a great day. Right. They're typically calling because they have a problem at, at, a, at, at a minimum, they have a need. And so it, it is challenging. And so I, I do think, you know, the burnout is real and that working part-time allows people to remain fresh and deliver the best service. And then they come back the next day, work a half, you know, a half time set of hours to some degree and, and and they're refreshed. And so I think there's a lot of value in specifically in this industry, in that part-time model versus that full-time model that, you know, was settled on a long time ago. I just don't know that that, that is best for everybody. Yeah. It's sort of, um, it's the best worst, I think, isn't it? Because this is the problem is, as you get sort of, um, what is it, so much plurality in, in society, there's never going to be anything that fits everyone because everyone is sort of slightly different. And then so do you customize the work week to absolutely each individual, which is obviously just impossible. You need some alignment, but it seems to be getting harder. I actually proposed in an article that um, instead of the four-day week, there should be a standardized three-day week and that might suit especially as you know as society is getting more affluent in theory and there could be sort of um, universal income then maybe the three-day week could become standard and those that either want to get ahead or earn more double up and they work a six-day week which you know when I'm when I was in my twenties, I would have gladly signed up for. But when you know different stages of life, you might be content with a three day week. But it, it's it's funny. Um, it, society's sort of having to wrestle with how do we all kind of work together when we're sort of eight billion individuals now. But I certainly, you know, it is interesting what you say about gig work in terms of if you can just get people 
for 20 hours a week, but they are hyper productive within that time, it certainly makes sense in terms of efficiencies, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, the, the thing about this synchronicity that you mentioned, I mean, the beautiful thing about our industry, especially as it relates to gig work is we, you know, we typically run 24 seven in many cases. And, um, you know, and so we don't need the synchronicity as much as we need the schedule. Everyone, everyone coming to the schedules that they're, that they're signed up for. Right. So, um, you know, with the gig work, we don't assign any schedules. Everyone chooses, everyone that's on an account, you know, chooses the hours that are available for that account in 30 minute intervals. And so not only do you have people that are working 20 hours a week and highly productive, but you've got people that selected the 20 hours that they're working, which really then affords both them an excellent work-life balance. It means our shrink is typically lower. And it means, again, we can be, you know, with everything in 30 minute intervals, you know, we can be laser tight to our clients um, interval compliance needs. And so that, you know, that's the other piece is once people are choosing their own schedules and they have the freedom to do that, um, it, it really changes how, how productive someone wants to be um, in, that, in that ecosystem. One, one thing I, uh, you know, what I find interesting there is it, it sounds idyllic on paper, but if everyone wants to work you know, between 2 p.m. and 4 p.m., but no one wants to work between 8 p.m. and, sorry, 8, 8 a.m. and 10 a.m., uh, then it's not going to work. So, you know, if you have sort of a 10-person customer service team that would work full-time, for example, if you're going to get the um, gig to fill in times when they want it, would you maybe be having to manage 100 people? Now, they're working the hours they want, but you're having to sort of herd 100 cats instead of just 10 cats and then you also need to train those 100 people assuming that the process isn't just intuitive and they actually need to be trained and uh, consistency on the job and know the tools and know the clients so how do you manage that sort of relative inefficiency of you know just having far more people but having then the flexibility of those people on board that's a, a great question. It's a great call out. So certainly we we do onboard more people and, um, you know, it is, it's a double-edged sword. We do, that means we we have to train all those people. We have to do quality monitor, monitoring. We do all of those things um, to ensure that, you know, like a, like a typical, any contact center vendor, we're delivering the quality and the service that's required. And so, um, I mean, you know, one of our, you know, one of our methods, for example, is um, from a, a certification standpoint, or as we would say, training, um, you know, we try to do as much asynchronously as possible. And so, you know, wherever we can turn client material into modules, simulations, you know, and, and make it so that we're taking it out of the classroom, it gives us an opportunity to, one, really look at the fundamentals of adult learning and how adults learn and make sure we build in a lot of hands-on inside of that. And then two, again, it, it becomes an opportunity for the gig workers to train um, or certify more asynchronously. And so, um, so that's been part of it that has been really helpful. So we're not, you know, the reality is you can't, you know, gig work doesn't really align to the traditional contact center classroom 
model. And so, um, you know, that's one. The second is really back to the, the volume, the scale question you asked earlier. If we, if we don't do things at scale, it actually becomes harder. So for us, you know, 15, you know, FTEs worth of work or, you know, 600 hours a week is typically where we like to start because then it does give us the ability to try to understand how, how are we going to best break up and, you know, depending on the hoops, of course, how are we going to break up that work? And then how do we make sure that we're bringing on gig workers that align to the needs of the client? So, you know, we've got one client that's very heavy Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And so when we go out and we look for gig workers for that program, I mean, that is part of the requirement, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's heaviest Monday morning. So, you know, don't, don't sign up for this gig if you're not available on Monday mornings and don't sign up for this gig. If you're not looking for work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, cause there, there are no hours the rest of the week. And so as we go out and look for gig workers, we, you know, the, the onus is on us to make sure that we're finding people that are going to align to the entire hoops. And then, you know, if we do find we have gaps, then we, you know, we onboard an additional group of people that are focused on, you know, some specific gap. And those are the only, only schedules they can choose from. So we kind of refine it as we go with a client and make sure that we know where the gaps are in those where people want to work. And then we're onboarding people whose availability is inside of those gaps. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? And you've alluded to most of it being sort of call center, customer service, uh, those sort of functions. Is that what you do, for example, can you apply this sort of gig economy to accounting work or design work or, you know, other functions of a business? Or is it something where the process is fairly clearly defined and then it's somewhat repetitive? I would say, you know, at this stage for us, it's defined and repetitive. So, you know, we certainly do back office work. And so if that, um, you know, is let's say in the accounting example, you know, high volume invoice processing, that's very much something we can do. But in terms of, you know, design work, things like that, I mean, that, you know, unless it's kind of high volume with standards around it that we can measure and do all of those things for, it's really not in our wheelhouse. I mean, for the most part, you know, the contact center back office has been the space we've we've been largely working in. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff, fascinating stuff. It really, you know, I talk a lot about the future of work and it's fascinating to see how it's evolving. Obviously, you know, a major component of that is globalized employment and, and sort of people stopping uh, employing from a local uh, catchment, whereas, and, and then sort of going global, but also sort of how the work week is fractured and how work becomes gig and, People are doing sort of transactional functions of a work as opposed to, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, it used to be a lifetime career. Um, it's, it's really fascinating, isn't it? Uh, one of the earlier examples that I think never really got off the ground was Amazon Turk. Have you looked into that yourself and sort of either modeled your business on it or, or run away from that model? Just as background, that's, I believe that was Amazon that set that up, but it's the kind of concept where you can sort of outline a gig and get hundreds or thousands of people to contribute it toward it for a very small micropayment, yeah. Um, but I don't know if it ever really sort of came to prominence. 
Um, is that something that you reflected on as you as you built this business? You know, to be honest, it, it isn't. We, you know, the majority of our team comes from the, um, you know, the, the contact center outsourcing space. And so um, many of us come from one of the early at-home employee model companies. And so, you know, work from home, when we started on me, it was always work from home and it was always gig. We felt like gig was the future. And we studied some of the early gig contact center companies. And those were competitors in the you know early days of the work at home model back in the, you know, 2010 type of timeframe when they were getting off the ground. And so, you know, we always felt like gig was, it is the future of this industry and it has um, so much potential. And we've always felt like it's, it's a better solution for both clients, you know, and the, the workers themselves, because they have the opportunity to, you know, build what they're looking for versus being told when to come to work. And so for us, it, it was always this, you know, gig kind of contact center focused company that we believe as we continue to evolve has, um, you know, has legs in lots of other areas, but they'd still be high volume areas, um, whether that's on site or, and when I say on site, I mean, um, you know, possibly counting inventory at many locations, things like that, that have, um, you know, a high volume short term need not necessarily in a work from home capacity. Right, right. You do have a very convincing website, you know, just looking at uh, about us, the team looks highly, highly professionalized. Um, you really look like you know what you're doing. It, it really does make a, a difference, doesn't it, to have a, a website and, uh, you know, significant uh, players in the exact team. Um, is there a big uh, tech platform uh, underneath all of this, like to, I assume, you know, to, to organize this and to sort of build it into processes and get a lot of people on a platform all heading in the right direction is, is quite technically demanding. And also all the onboarding and, as you say, the training and um, managing KPIs, especially when people are remote. Is it it's a, a big tech undertaking to achieve all of that? It is. And that, you know, interesting question because, you know, we, we've, been really focused on AI and automation, but focused on that for ourselves. And so we haven't tried to play in the space around customer facing automation or AI or bots or anything along those lines. What we've focused on is how do we, you know, given the, the volume we have to operate at, how do we get all everyone pointed in the right direction, as you said, and so we're in the same direction. And so we've built what we call the Omniverse and it's basically a, a cloud platform built around, um, you know, multiple cloud technologies connected through microservices with a lot of bots that run off of that. And that's how we, um, how we deliver our quality, our consistency, reliability, things like that. And so some of the things that are very challenging in contact centers, really a lot of the things kind of that first line supervisor would traditionally do. So, attendance and um, calling no call, no shows and those, you know, calling, you know, seeing if anyone can jump on reviewing workforce, things like that. We've, we've tried to automate. Our goal has been, how do we automate all of the administrative tasks that a frontline supervisor would typically do so that everyone who's supporting our gig workers 
are supporting the people that are here working with the things that they need. And so um, that's kind of been our, our mantra, right? So our, what we call, um, you know, our SMEs or our, what we call GSAs, gig support ambassadors, they, they're very focused on quality. Um, we build what we call gig talks or gigabytes, which are basically micro um, updates or learnings, things like that for when we need to push a process change or when we see lots of people struggling in a certain area. We do knowledge bars, which are, um, you know, basically micro trainings that people can come to and get coaching and ask questions and do things like that. And so our goal has been how do we put all of our energy towards, you know, enabling our gig workers to be successful, you know, while they're on the Omni platform supporting our clients. And in terms of the distribution of work, like if I'm a worker, like obviously Uber can only work because it's fully automated. I mean, you can't have the old fashioned taxi dispatch sort of coordinating with people. So for the workers, is it is it all sort of platform based or app based where they just sort of see the jobs, they can log in and they do the training? Or is it still sort of manually coordinating people within teams and things? It's largely automated, but there's certainly some level of coordination and especially around, um, you know, when we, when we're running our, uh, you know, certifications for a certain client, we'll do group role plays. We'll do, we'll, so we'll get the gig workers together to do those types of things. And so we'll, we'll set up different, um, you know, times or sessions that they can come to, to do that. And so it's largely automated, but there, there's always those, those nuances of getting people together at the same time to do certain things that we know will help them be successful. Yeah, it's fascinating. And uh, how is business? You, I, you started in 2016, did you? That's the same year we started, actually. It's a, a great year to start a business. It is. Um, how, you know, how's the trajectory? Did you did you start off with a bang? It sounds like all, did all of you sort of come together with this mission, a lot of you from the outsourcing kind of background, and you, you saw an opportunity? What was the, the sort of origin story? Um, it, it, it started off quite a bit slower than that. We actually started as a consulting company doing uh, contact center transformation and automation. And so um, we worked with a number of large clients and did, you know, true full-blown brick and mortar contact center uh, transformations. And so we then we started to kind of move to the BPO world. Um, you know, we started marketing that. We brought on some sales uh, team members to start to to build that side of the business because we we knew that was where we wanted to go, um, and then the reality is uh, COVID hit, and so once COVID happened, people you know we were, you know we had a great business model that was very timely is the short answer. Um, people needed to move their contact centers at home, and we were ready and waiting in so many words. And so we have had a tremendous boom in business, you know, from 2020 forward. And we've grown almost, I think, 3,100% in the last three years. Right. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. It's amazing. Huh? COVID really shook things up like there were winners and losers from that uh, reshuffle. Certainly. I mean, we're obviously feel very fortunate to be on the the winning side of that. Yeah, and fortune favors the brave. Uh, and ProPublica, they did a 
a news piece and expose, I suppose you could say, on the home-based customer service. And as is, you know, it, it's intriguing. I had them on the podcast as well because, again, it's all the sort of future of employment. And these, I don't know if you heard about it at all, but it's um, one of them that they named and to some degree shamed was Arise Virtual Solutions. And this was effectively, it's almost like a bit of a um, pyramid scheme in that they get the workers to buy effectively a franchise so that they can work in these call centers. And apparently, according to ProPublica, it's all a bit of a con in that they, you know, pay exorbitant amounts to basically become a worker. They have to buy the hardware uh, and then they're always really just paying off that hardware um, and it's pretty rough conditions as well. So, you know, it's fascinating. Like, And, of course, all of this is saddening and a shame. It's not to say that the whole industry is like this, but it's it's intriguing to see how the workplace is being innovated upon and things are changing, things are being explored, and hopefully, you know, people go down wrong paths and then those are closed up and then we continue down the right paths. Um, but have you come across that in the industry at all? And is that sort of big in the industry? You know, I I would certainly not want to say the words it's big in the industry because I I hope to what you know what you said the the practices that maybe are are predatory or aren't aren't there to in the best interest of the gig workers are are going to go away and I do believe that is happening. We certainly looked at um you know the the handful of other people or other other companies in the industry using a gig model and we really want we really believe we want Omni to be a place that's great for gig workers. So I mean, we don't charge platform fees. We, we always, you know, we pay for available time. We make sure that we're always, um, you know, ev- everyone's whole from a, a wage standpoint. I mean, we, we do a lot of things that, you know, some of our competitors don't do because we want to make sure that this is, you know, as we, we kind of say, we want to do gig right. I mean, it shouldn't be a mechanism to, take advantage of someone. It should be a, a pathway for someone to build their own lifestyle on their terms. Um, and so that that's really how we view it. And we, you know, we're optimistic. We'll continue to see those negative practices disappear as um, maybe hopefully more people like us pop up in the industry and, and, you know, we continue to make gig work a great place for gig workers. Mm. And what is your ideal client then in terms of the the uh, demographic is it is it the smaller businesses that need you know can't afford sort of full time or is it enterprises that have this awkward uh, gap or surge that they need to attend to where does it sort of fit in terms of um, being received by the market it's really the enterprises that have the awkward gap or surges or or those types of things um uh, the you know the the smaller businesses it's really you know to your earlier point you know if you've got a very a small workforce um, you know one it may not make sense to outsource and to um, you know depending on the need or the the way the need works out gig you know may or may not be the right choice there but for us we've seen the most success from a you know a larger scale enterprise standpoint where we can really fill meaningful gaps, um, you know, with a large volume of workers, bring flexibility, bring surge capabilities, those types of things um, to those clients. 
what it, the world of uh, events and stuff. You know, there was, uh, oh my gosh, uh, big concerts and ticket sales and things like that. Is that, are there major sort of requirements for staffing there or is a lot of those processes automated? I have no idea. Um, you could imagine uh, that there's incredible surging for those things, yeah? Uh, you know, I, I would imagine it's not an industry we've so far done as much in. We're primarily have been in, you know, healthcare and financial services, uh, you know, largely because they're both onshore industries and we're largely onshore. So, um, you know, some of the industries that have heavily offshored, we haven't, you know, that's kind of the next era for us is to, to continue to build nearshore and offshore offshore offerings. But, um, you know, to be honest, I would, I would assume that those, those types of, uh, calls have largely been either automated or, or taken offshore. Mm. And my gosh, I can't believe we haven't discussed offshore yet. We're 30 minutes in. Courtney, um, what is your position on onshore, nearshore, offshore? Um, you know, and where do you, where do you see this playing out? I mean, I think, you know, gig is growing everywhere. I mean, you can almost pick, you know, any, mostly developed country in the world and type in gig workers. And it's amazing how, how many gig workers are out there. Um, I read at one point, the Philippines is the fastest growing gig economy in the world. And so, you know, we believe that this, there's a market for gig work all over the world. And, and that's, you know, our dream is to be able to say, you know, gig work anywhere, you know, to be able to go look for languages or certain cultural affinities and all of those things. I mean, we think there's an incredible opportunity to, to bring gig work, continue to facilitate gig work going into the world. And, um, you know, so for us, we've, we've got a nearshore operation set up. Um, all gig workers all work from home. And our next step is to do the same thing in the Philippines. Well done. Well done. And how is the transition over to nearshore? Was that fairly seamless? It was, um, you know, we found the the pandemic has done wonders around the world for people having more stable internet, home, you know, their own computer at home, things like that, that maybe pre-pandemic would have, we, we would have struggled with as a business to expand in the same way. But um, post-pandemic, it's, it's really, it's really incredible that people now do have these more, these enabling technologies that give them opportunities they didn't have in the past and you know we hope to bring those opportunities so we've found that you know from a a recruiting standpoint a willingness um excitement we we have not we've seen you know it's all been positive Mm. it's very true that isn't it you know we're doing well in our respective businesses and industries but um, we're really just standing on the shoulders of giants which is really this technical enablement you know the like 30 years ago none of this could have happened no one was connected and now as you say even just with covid a lot more people have uh, in-home connectivity reasonable internet speeds reasonable computers uh, and it's just allowing so many more people to step into the global economy, isn't it? It's such a, it such a powerful it's thing. incredible time. And Courtney, uh, you mentioned uh, AI automation. Um, you know, when I tell people I'm in outsourcing, they go, oh my gosh, like poor thing, you, you're going to, you know, everything's going to be wiped out by AI. Do you see uh, your industry, your roles particularly susceptible to AI? How, or are you um, incorporating it into your processes? Where do you see this going over the next maybe five years? 
Yeah. Yeah. I, and I probably have that conversation at least once a day with someone that says, wow, you know, that's all going to be automated. And the reality is it's going to continue to be automated. The, the easier, you know, contacts, call types, things like that will continue to be automated. They'll continue to be self-serve driven. But I would say that in many ways, things become more complex as well. And so, um, you know, I, I think we'll have a, a period of time where it, the automation is not going to catch up to the continued complexity of, of calls and needs, especially around uh, technology-driven things, things that are more complex, right? And so I don't necessarily see, um, even in the next five years, I, I think it'll, it'll continue to, to eat into the industry, but I don't see the industry in any way going away or even being significantly smaller. I also think there's, we still have a large population of people, um, older, the older generations that still enjoy the human contact. And, um, you know, there's some amazing AI products out there, but, you know, nothing that is going to scratch that itch, so to speak for, you know, I, I know in many ways, my dad loves to call customer service lines. Sometimes I feel like I, I can't even figure out what he's calling about, but he he's, that's what he does. He likes to call and he likes to talk to someone and that, you know, makes him feel like he's accomplished something. And so I do think, you know, between the complexity and you know, maybe the, the older generation that will likely never totally switch to self-service and things that, you know, there, there's still a long way to go here. Yeah, that's fascinating, isn't it? And even just that, it, it's um, this huge generational diversity, isn't it? Like, I, I think a lot of millennials, like they would, they would never want to phone anyone, you know, they would want to text someone and talk to yeah. a real person over text, but very few younger kids want to actually pick up the phone these days, don't they? It's uh... And it, it's about the industry is about staying on top of all of these trends and all the different channels, and it's complicated, isn't it? Very, especially as you said, the you know generational gap gets larger and larger. Courtney, fantastic conversation. Really, really interested in to hear about the the gig economy, and um, you know, I, I speak so often about sort of Upwork as the canonical, but it's fascinating to see that there's so much beyond that. And really there's the kind of enterprise application of uh, gig work, like gig work at scale. It's, it's fascinating to, to see. Um, Courtney, if anyone wants to learn more or uh, connect with Omni Interactions, how can they do that? Uh, the best place would be our website, omniinteractions.com. Um, we've got a, a contact us form, um, or certainly you can reach out to me directly at, Courtney.myers at oiteam.com. Courtney, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was a pleasure. That was Courtney Myers. She is the co-CEO of Omni Interactions. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to email us, send us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. Dot com. See you next time.